Guilty. We've got both Jessica and Ashley Simpson together. Jessica Simpson. I belong to me. Simpson and Nick Lachey. All you newlywed couples out there, can you imagine allowing a camera crew to follow you around day and night? Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? Hey, what's up? I'm Ashley Simpson. Please welcome Ashley Simpson. What up, Ashley Simpson, right here on the VIP. With Ashley Simpson, I'm so excited. She said, I want to be a role model to girls. Take a peek into the lives of the Simpson sisters, Jessica and Ashley. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo, and today we are doing a bonus emergency episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. I am so excited right now because Jessica Simpson is on Bloomberg Business Week today. This is such a huge, major deal. And I want to go through this article with you guys and talk about it. It's just going to be me today. Hope you don't mind. I don't have a guest, but as soon as I saw this, I wanted to talk about it because I am just so proud of her. And this is so major. I mean, if you looked at all of the 90s, 2000s pop stars, would you just look at those people and say, oh, they're going to be on Bloomberg Business Week someday. I mean, you wouldn't. And that's no shade at them. You know, they're amazingly talented people at many things. They're great dancers, they're great singers, they're great showmen, they have amazing stage presence, they write great lyrics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But you wouldn't expect them to be in Bloomberg Business Week, right? And Jessica is. I just will never stop saying, and I know it's the obvious kind of analogy in some ways to make, which is like, oh, that girl on Newlyweds that didn't know what she was eating, chicken or fish, has a billion dollar company. And I just think that that's phenomenal. And I know that there will always be naysayers who will say, oh, you know, she just she has a team of people around her that are that are savvy with business. She's just the face of it. And sometimes I get messages of people saying Jessica isn't even involved with her her line. She just signs the checks or whatever. I don't care. I the naysayers literally where is your billion dollar empire? Please show it to me. That's all I have to say. Anyway, so let's go through this article. It's written by two women, so I'm already very excited about that. No offense, men. We love you. But sometimes when profiles are written about female celebrities by men, it's dark. So let's get into this. I haven't even read the whole article. I started reading it, and I got really excited. And then I was like, oh, I want to do an episode on this. So title of the article is How Jessica Simpson Almost Lost Her Name. Good title, right? Dramatic. The pop stars love... Okay, I'm already stopping. (laughs) Three words into the article. I'm already stopping because I'm so happy that this specific article calls her the pop star. Because she is a fucking pop star. And people need to give her her flowers for that. Because she is not just a freaking fashion designer. Even though that would be enough. She's not just a billionaire CEO. Although that would be enough. But she has 
this amazing pop career that people completely forget about, which is so ridiculous. So I love that this is all about her business and her fashion empire, and yet they called her the pop star. The pop star's billion-dollar fashion brand fell into the hands of the wrong company. After a two-year battle, she finally bought it back. Okay, this happens all the time in business, right? It's like such a major crossroads that so many people come to when you run your own business is like, okay, do I want to sell part of it or all of it and just take a really big beautiful paycheck and go retire and live in the Cayman Islands or <laughs> or do I want to retain it a lot of people consider you know when you get that big offer of like okay we're going to pay you a billion dollars for your company or we're going to pay you 500 million dollars for this amount or whatever a lot of people consider that to be the success they're like I'm good. They're fine with washing their hands of it and they're fine with being like, yeah, I just, I, I want to sell it. I want to retire and that's it. So I'm excited to see what this says. I'm, I'm so excited right now. There's this gorgeous picture of Jessica that I posted on the Instagram story in front of this peachy pink background and she looks so beautiful. It's, I mean, she's obviously wearing makeup, but it's a very natural photo of her. Okay. It says, of all the ways Jessica Simpson had imagined taking back control of her fashion am empire, lying on a hospital bed with severe bronchitis on a breathing machine while 34 weeks pregnant with her third child, a daughter, was not one of them. So that was beautiful little birdie. Her oxygen levels were dropping. I couldn't breathe, recalls Simpson, of the harrowing, rather impractical moment in early 2019 when she and her mom, Tina, president of the business, decided to initiate a takeover bid. I was 260 pounds. She was a very big baby. We were like, just take her out. Okay, first of all, can you imagine Jessica Simpson being 260 pounds? What? Like, I I know that we had those pictures. Like, she, remember, one of my favorite pictures of Jessica ever is when she posted that picture when she was really big with Birdie and she put Jess Station, like her name, Jess, <laughs> and then Station, like, gestation, um, which I thought was so funny. Um... But 260, that's crazy to think about. Um, and I'm not saying anything. Uh, all mothers are amazing and beautiful. If you gained 100 pounds in your pregnancy, if you gained 30 pounds in your pregnancy, it, whatever your body looks like, whatever, you're amazing. All mothers are amazing. So I'm not saying anything about it. Also, does this remind anyone of the part in Jessica's book when Joe is telling her that he's getting divorced from Tina on when she's in bed uh, giving birth to Maxwell? Are you kidding me? Like, this is crazy. See, when you're this level of successful, I feel like, you know, the business cannot wait, which is, which is, sad like I run my own business it obviously is nowhere near the size of anything Jessica's done but it, this happens to me all the time I mean not when I'm in labor but I'm sure if I was pregnant right now like I would be dealing with all kinds of crazy shit because like when you run a business you just it's like you try not to let it take over your life and you try to have those private moments but like it doesn't always work out that way you just sometimes you have to pick up the phone you have to reply to the email it's just the way that it goes Okay, so it says her daughter Birdie didn't end up being delivered that day. Doctors were able to stabilize her. But that moment did mark the beginning of a two-year battle for control of Simpsons namesake brand, the rare celebrity line to break $1 billion in sales. We'll borrow against our homes, says Simpson of the Resolve. Even if I have to go live in a little tiny place in Ireland, I will. So that's crazy, right? Because we all think of Jessica as being exorbitantly wealthy, right? And she's saying, look, if I have to go live in a tiny little house, I'll do it. And I love that because that just shows her 
character you know she's not all about the money she's she's like she's like this is my business this is my name and if I'll do whatever I have to do to save it you know I'm sure she would I mean this might be a step too far but I'm sure she would sell all of her luxury bags and whatever if she had to you know what I mean like I don't know she just is such a genuine person to me that she doesn't need all of that extra stuff it's fun and it's great to live in a big mansion and whatever, but she's just a real bitch. You know what I mean? Like Jessica is a real bitch. That's why I love her. I love you, girl, if you're listening. Okay, so when Simpson started the line in 2005, she was an improbable apparel mogul, the gospel singing daughter of a Baptist pastor. She first surfaced on the pop music scene in the 1990s, a new breed of sexy teen blonde belters alongside Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. Can anyone write a fucking article about Jessica Simpson without mentioning Britney? Now, I know I'm a hypocrite because I bring up Britney in every episode of our podcast and it's the Ashley and Jessica cast, so I'll shut up. Anyway, although she had the vocal chops, it was the pioneering 2003 hit MTV show Newlyweds, a voyeuristic romp through her then- 23-year-old's new marriage to boy band husband Nick Lachey that vaulted her into the pop culture firmament. So she was actually 22 when it started, but they should have called me to fact check this. Anyway, those who'd written her off as merely a ditzy entertainer became converts. Her viral malapropisms, frank charm, and sexy Texas style drew an Instagram-like following years before the social platform even existed. That is so true. I feel like it all kind of plays into the same thing. The way that we all like looked up to Jessica's fashion and still do, we literally, I mean, there's literally Jessica Newlywed style. There's entire Instagrams about it, about stuff she wore 20 years ago. She did have an Instagram like following and it would have been really interesting if back then Instagram was around because I'm sure somebody like Colleen from Jessica Newlywed style or somebody like me or like Amanda, we would be screen capping her outfits and being like oh look you know and I'm sure if Jessica came out with a new reality show which supposedly she is right the Amazon docuseries then we probably will screen cap her outfits and be like okay this is Yves Saint Laurent this is Gucci you know what I mean I'm high energy right now if you didn't notice Almost two decades later Simpson had reached the stage of celebrity where she was mostly famous for being famous mm, I mm, that's debatable after a divorce <laughs> I love that it just says after a divorce, like after a divorce, not important. She married former NFL player Eric Johnson, but over the years she developed an alcohol addiction. By 2017, the mother of two young children was carrying a glittery tumbler of vodka and flavored Perrier everywhere, sipping from it mornings after school drop off. After a drunken Ellen appearance, followed by a blackout at a family Halloween party, she finally got professional help. In 2019, she was sober and had millions of actual Instagram followers, but she hadn't recorded an album in almost a decade. Interesting wording there. Is this article going to announce that she's doing an album? Because I will start crying. Okay. Um... Throughout all of this, Simpson's business had been one of the few constants. She didn't have the can't stop, won't stop, drive in her bones, hatching companies and making investments the way that Jay-Z eventually would. That's interesting because I feel like she did. I feel like her line has been very consistently growing and expanding 
since she started it. I mean, interesting. Let's read on. Okay. Um, she wasn't going to build a wellness empire like Gwyneth Paltrow with Goop Inc. or court venture capital investors like Jessica Alba with her baby products line. Okay, so I actually didn't know that Jessica Alba had um, capital investors, but the, uh, uh, venture capital investors. But that's interesting. I love Jessica Alba's brand, but that's it's such a different brand from Jessica's too. I'm also not going to pretend that I know about these big businesses. So I know like a little bit, but if I sound stupid or say something wrong, please don't be rude. Just <laughs> just let me know. She wasn't going to introduce a tequila brand like George Clooney, who sold it to Diageo PLC for some $700 million after four years. And she certainly wasn't going to cycle through businesses as if they were shoes like Kim Kardashian, who seemed to unveil a new line ordeal every year or so until finally building cosmetics and shapewear companies now worth a combined $2.6 billion. I don't really feel like this part of the article was necessary comparing her to all these people because these are all these people are so different from her. And these businesses are very different, but I'm going to read on because maybe it becomes relevant. Simpson, though, predated all of them. Yes, she did. She did. That's right. Put some respect on her damn name, okay? In 2005, taking one swing at a very conventional business with a very conventional strategy, she'd introduce a clothing brand for middle America, teens and their moms who wanted to shop at Macy's or Dillard's so they could dress like Jessica Simpson could suddenly afford to do so. Some $80 these days for a leopard print sweater or a 110 wedge ankle boots. Now, let me just say that a lot of people cannot afford $80 for a sweater or $110 for ankle boots. So, and I know that Jessica's stuff is often on sale in Macy's. Like I got um, a pair of Jessica shoes recently that was originally like 90, I think. And I got them for um, $59.99 from Amazon. But like $59.99, definitely more affordable. I feel like, I know when I turned 18, what I asked for for my birthday was Jessica Simpson heels and they were 80, I think. But we went direct, we went right into like Nordstrom and, and bought them. We didn't like look for a sale or anything because it was my birthday. So we were like splurging, you know. Um, but like people always talk about Jessica's line as if it's so, so, so affordable and it's like a cheaper line. And I guess it is if you compare it to like, I don't know. What's a celebrity line that's more expensive? I mean, obviously, it's like less expensive than a high fashion thing like the row or whatever. But um, it's not that affordable, right? Like I know a lot of people that can't buy or not even that they can't, but they're just like, I'm not going to spend $110 on heels. You know what I mean? Like I know a lot of people like that. And then not that there's anything wrong with um, being on any end of the spectrum in terms of what you're willing to spend on shoes. But I think it's interesting that people are always talking about how affordable her line is because it's not that affordable I consider it to be like mid-tier like for me affordable was that Sarah Jessica Parker line called Bitten I got a leather jacket from her line that was $10 like that's affordable a $10 leather jacket and by the way that leather jacket disintegrated after a couple years but let's be honest it was $10 so like I wasn't devastated when I mean I really liked the jacket so I wish that it lasted longer but I wasn't like heartbroken when it you know um, eventually faded also I think that it's interesting also that they're saying like it's a very conventional business with a conventional strategy because it wasn't conventional for celebrities to do that like do you remember JLo's line I loved JLo's line when I was a kid I 
like forced my parents to buy me one of her zip ups and I still have it. It was like a brown zip up with like cream stripes up the side and it literally said JLo and it had the JLo zipper pull. Oh my God, did I think I was so cool. I actually got made fun of in school for it because it like wasn't cool to like JLo as a child. Like no one was like, no other kids and were like, I love JLo. Like, um, I don't know. What was JLo's demographic in like 2001? I guess probably like teenagers, older teens I don't know but her line was never marketed to be for a lower price I mean I don't remember how much it was it probably was around the same as Jessica's price point but JLo was associated with glamour and diva and stuff so I don't know I would be interested to see how many other celebrities have released lines being like you can look just like me for an affordable price because I don't think that an $80 sweater and $110 shoes is affordable like if somebody was like oh, you could, you could look just like me for an affordable price. I'm like, that's 200 bucks. Like, I don't know. That's kind of expensive. Anyway, let's get back into it. Rather than build a company that actually made the stuff, she'd license her name to the best manufacturers out there, which would then design and produce the Jessica Simpson collections products, including apparel, perfume, and handbags. Tina, who'd largely been a stage mom, uh, that, I don't like that. I don't like calling her a stage mom. I don't want to say that, this is I, I keep stopping every other sentence you guys are like Jesus get to the point I don't know I just wouldn't call Tina a stage mom like that to me that's such a bad it's like a bad word stage mom you know you know how sometimes um there's a nicer way to say things it's like I'm not saying that she 100% is not a stage mom but there's just like a nicer way to say that I don't know like because I, I feel like she's not she's not like a Lynn Spears right like Britney is has come out against Lynn and said, you did not treat me right. Jessica's never done that with her mother. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't know. I feel like there should be a distinction between certain stage moms and Tina. Tina, who'd largely been a stage mom, ugh, would run the company with the help of a shoe business whiz who oversaw the licensing and took a stake in the business in 2005. Oddly enough, the formula not only worked, it outlasted the fashion line started by many other celebrities. Mandy Moore... Mandy Moore had a fashion line? Excuse me? I did not even know this. I'm going to Google that. David Hasselhoff. Okay, how, why are you even mentioning David Hasselhoff in this article? This is about Jessica Simpson. Comparing with Mandy Moore makes sense. That's her peer. David Hasselhoff? I mean, is he even... Like, what? Um, even style maven Sarah Jessica Parker. So that's true, right? I just mentioned Sarah Jessica Parker's line, Bitten, that was in that store. Was it called Stephen Barry's? Um, I don't remember what happened first, if Stephen Barry's closed or if her line sank. But I don't know. That's beside the point. I, I'm sorry, but I really just have to look up really quickly Mandy Moore's failed fashion line you know what one I remember stuff by Hillary Duff do you guys remember that I don't think I ever had any stuff by Hillary Duff but I remember the ads like it was yesterday okay so this was called emblem oh my god okay celebrityclothingline.com okay it lasted from 2005 to 2009 that's honestly like for a clothing line I've never freaking heard of in my life that's not that bad it seems to have lasted a little while. Mandy Moore first launched her clothing line Emblem, meaning, uh, which it's M-B-L-E-M, period, is it is the title. The line of contemporary knit t-shirts in a variety of colors and soft cotton fabrics. 
Okay, that was that just sentence just ended there. Mandy Moore said she was sure to make the tops longer than traditional tees and the long sleeve versions are long at the end of the sleeves to cover part of the hands. It was the small, simple details like this that Moore said she wanted to concentrate on. The line later expanded to dresses and a wider variety of tops. Uh, the brand was forced to close in 2009 due to poor economy and shrinking sales. That's really interesting that she wanted to focus on details and she started with just t-shirts. I actually think that's like not a bad uh, strategy. I'm looking... Wow, I feel like I just hopped timelines because there's a picture of Mandy on the red carpet with the step and repeat that has her logo on it. And I have never seen this logo. I have never freaking heard of this in my life. That's crazy. Do you ever just like miss out on a pop culture thing and you find out about it later and you literally are just like, I jumped timelines because I swear this did not exist. And that's interesting. I can't find any pictures of the actual t-shirts, but um, yeah, I don't feel the need to look up David Hasselhoff's line. Let's just move on. (laughs) Eventually, the brand did $1 billion at retail, with Simpson appearing on the cover of New York Magazine as the $1 billion girl. Surprising everyone that the seemingly not-too-bright singer was actually a very clever businesswoman. To put that figure in context, the article read, it means Jessica Simpson is doing roughly the same volume in sales as Michael Kors. Now, not to be rude, but does anybody else really not understand the Michael Kors thing? Like, I literally have never in my life had any desire to own a Michael Kors piece. But soon after her brand's ascent was being hailed publicly, a slow unraveling began in boardrooms on earnings calls and on profit and loss sheets. In 2015, after the Simpsons business partner had died from cancer, they cut a deal with a different kind of company with a charismatic young chief executive officer who intended to expand the line into a $2 billion to $3 billion operation, as Women's Wear Daily reported at the time. But the company, Sequential Brands Group Inc., more of a licensing financial middleman than a creative partner, was soon in over its head. By 2019, it had become clear to the Simpsons that Sequential was actually in deep financial trouble and had no intention of expanding their business. They were watching their empire slowly die. I, I hope this article includes like why they decided to go with sequential brands. I wonder if they were looking for more of a licensing financial middleman or they were looking for more of a creative partner. Also interesting that they went with a young CEO. I'm also thinking because I just saw House of Gucci and I'm thinking about when they brought Tom Ford on, which obviously very different scenario. But I feel like a lot of brands do that. Like they bring on a young, hip, charismatic, like popular, hot young person in to kind of revitalize the brand but I'm not really sure that Jessica needed to do that at that point like she probably would have been better off with somebody with more experience in that hospital bed Simpson had finally had enough why is why are so many things happening to her in hospital beds it's like so sad (laughs) the way sequential was structured the whole point was to tap a brand until there was nothing left the business wasn't unlike the celebrity game in so many ways a different version of what she had experienced her entire life like when her dad pushed her to switch from gospel to pop or when a record executive instructed a teenage simpson to lose 15 pounds so she took diet pills okay did was joe the one that pushed her from country into pop music i mean not country gospel into pop music i guess obviously he was a big part of it but my name was on it simpson says of her business i don't ever move away from my name yes girl so simpson told tina and another collection executive to approach sequential to buy back the brand 
It would require two years of negotiating with the company, which eventually filed for bankruptcy and was forced to sell everything it owned for parts. We're ready to go into the trenches, Simpson says over a Zoom call this fall, sitting on a cheetah print chair in front of her fireplace in LA, waiting for the deal to finally go through. Pay it all back and earn it ourselves. I can't believe this took two years. Ten years before Simpson fired him as her manager in 2012, her father, Joe, pitched MTV a docuseries about his famous daughter. Growing up, Simpson had moved 18 times as her parents hustled for work. Joe, a Baptist preacher, sold postage meters for Pitney Bowes, Inc., while her mom ran Heavenly Bodies aerobics classes at churches, Jump for Jesus. That is until Joe realized it was their little blonde girl with a big voice who could bring in the cash. Okay, I didn't realize they moved 18 times. That was not in her book. Tommy Matola. The powerful record executive who later signed Simpson told Vanity Fair she was different than the new crop of teen girl pop stars and that she could actually sing. Okay, so they all could sing, let's be honest. I was about to become the family business, Simpson wrote in her 2020 memoir, Open Book. Okay, so this is all, I'm I'm guessing that people who don't know about this story already are like fascinated by this, but I'm like really wanting the new details here. Getting a little bored. When Newlyweds made its debut in 2003, it was supposed to run for only six episodes, but it ended up becoming a three-season cultural phenomenon. I did not know that. Thank you. (laughs) I asked for new information and I got it. I did not know that it was only supposed to be six episodes. Is that like a known thing? Derek, let me know. At a time when the most intimate you could get with a celebrity was on the pages of Us Weekly, Simpson did something radical. Instead of wearing layers of makeup and midriff revealing getups, she would wander around her house in a juicy couture sweatsuit or throw a gigantic fringe scarf over her shoulders while attempting to cook. Yes, we talk about this all the time, right? It was so groundbreaking. In a moment that went viral before viral was viral, Simpson plopped onto the couch, poking at a bowl of something with tuna. I like don't even want to read this part. I'm like, yes, I understand. Like we've been through this. Simpson got publicity. Bad, good. I just skipped a part where they like describe the chicken of the sea thing. Simpson got publicity, bad, good, everything in between, transforming her from a fading pop star, true, into a relatable comedian. Her debut album years earlier had charted at number 25 and the follow-up fizzled when she put out an album mid-newlyweds. It went triple platinum. Because it's all about being yourself, Simpson was flooded with appearance requests and endorsement deals. Meanwhile, the couple divorced in 2006. Goodbye. Suddenly, stay-at-home moms, tweens, everyone, that was me, I was a tween, (laughs) everyone seemed to see themselves in Simpson. I am you, they'd tell her at her appearances. That's weird. Like, when I met her, I definitely would not, like, that would have been so awkward to be like, I am you. Then Simpson noticed something. They started dressing like her, too. People would be coming in a shawl, she says, and everyone was definitely wearing the juicy sweats. For the first time, her fans were responding to her, not to some image that managers or executives had engineered. It's so funny to me that like this story is something that we literally talk about all the time and people don't even, they don't even know this. This is like new to people. Simpson and her mom, who handled the pop star's styling and photo shoots, wondered if they could translate that popularity into a fashion brand. I said to Jessica, hey, why don't we just make your own line, Tina says. Everything you're wearing is selling out. That is so true because did you guys see that Cecilia Debucourt who designed the shawl, the famous shawl? She just posted about this literally yesterday. She posted about how she's from Argentina and when Jessica started wearing the shawl, she had orders from all around the world 
and she couldn't make enough to meet demand and it literally helped an entire village in Argentina I guess because she had to hire a staff and stuff to help her because she, she literally makes them like she hand makes them herself they're not made in a factory still to this day so that's pretty amazing also she shared pictures of the rainbow shawl that she wears on the reality tour and that's the version that I want if you guys haven't seen you can buy the shawl still you can buy it in all different colors and I thought about buying the black one but I just really like the rainbow one I think the rainbow one is so unique it's a piece that you never see anything like that and unfortunately she doesn't have access to the yarn anymore that she used for the rainbow one and that's why she hasn't made them anymore and she even said on the post that she will have more shawls in multiple colors but she can't make the rainbow one still but if she could find it she would so that's kind of upsetting I really want that one <laughs> I'm so dramatic I'm like it's upsetting like it's fine I'll survive but I also thought it was weird because she said that Tina reached out to her after the yellow shawl became such a big deal and that's how she ended up making the rainbow one for the tour but she also said that they invited her out to come to Jessica's birthday show and Cecilia said that it was at Radio City Music Hall which it wasn't it was in Dallas which we all know from that episode and it definitely at first I had the thought like for two seconds I had the thought of like oh was that episode fake was it really in New York but it definitely wasn't because I've been to Radio City Music Hall like I it doesn't look like this the arena from Dallas it's very very different and also we literally saw her at the Hotel Zaza and stuff so I looked up the tour dates and she was at Radio City Music Hall in June the month before that so I don't know if Cecilia just got it confused or if she went to two shows but I think it's really weird that she would say oh I went to Jessica's birthday show at Radio City Music Hall where Nick gave her a puppy because that's a very that's like a very major thing that we all saw on TV. So it's weird that she would confuse those memories. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. But anyway, they knew enough not to manufacture and sell products themselves. It was too expensive and complex. The Simpsons were familiar with licensing through music merchandise, such as tour t-shirts, where they'd lend out Jessica's name for a fee. It's a model best known in the entertainment industry. Think Star Wars characters on everything from Legos to watches, but licensing became a vastly bigger business in the 1990s when fashion labels wanted to move into categories they didn't already dominate. So while the design houses such as Calvin Klein or Ralph Lauren were experts in clothing, when they wanted to expand into eyeglasses or home goods, they would license their name to various manufacturers who then make the products and sell them to retailers branded with the designer's name. This is so interesting because the one Chanel item I have is my eyeglasses. And I went to the Chanel in Soho because I had a pair before the ones that I currently have and they broke and usually with these luxury fashion houses one of the perks of spending that much money is that if you have any like if it breaks if there's any issue with your item you can just bring it into one of the stores and have somebody look at it on the spot and they will tell you okay we can fix this like they either have to send it out or they could do it in the store they'll tell you if there's going to be a fee for it like they take care of it for you so I brought my Chanel glasses into the store and the lady was super rude it was it was the very typical thing that you would think going into Chanel <laughs> where the lady was just like what are you talking like she treated me like I was like insane for bringing my eyeglasses in and she's like oh we don't have eyeglasses here and I was like they're Chanel eyeglasses and this is Chanel so help me out here like it's not like I brought them into Dior and she was just rude and she was like yeah I you would have to bring them to like an eyeglass person or something like she was just very not willing to help at all she was so weird about it 
And then another employee there who was much nicer and offered me, you know, stuff to drink and everything. He was like, oh, we don't sell eyeglasses here. You have to go to across the street. There was like a eyeglass store that had all different kinds of brands. And they're like, we don't sell Chanel eyeglasses. And it's something like this. It's something with the licensing. So I actually had to order my Chanel eyeglasses from a discount store in France because first of all, I didn't want to pay like the full price of how much they are. And at that store in Soho, they were super, super marked up, probably because you people go into Chanel wanting to buy the eyeglasses and they can't. So they send them across the street and then they have to pay like a higher fee. So I got them from a store in France and I ordered them all the way from France. And they yes, they were still expensive, but I wear them every day and I, ha- I had my other Chanel like they did break but I had them for like 10 years so I kind of felt like it was worth it anyway that's the same kind of thing here I just think it's really weird like I would love to see what kind of deal Chanel has and who they are partnered with because I just think it's weird that it's a Chanel product and you can't buy it at Chanel like I also couldn't order them Usually if you go into Chanel and there's something that you want that they don't have, you can order it and they will just on the spot be like, we'll take care of it for you. We'll order it for you. We'll charge you right here. It's normally like we want to do everything we can to make this easy for you. And instead they were just like, yeah, we don't have them here. So I think that's really interesting. Depending on the arrangement, the brand owner might have a lot of control over the licensed goods, input into design, approval over all the finished products, or very little, essentially handing out their name and receiving revenue in return. It's not uncommon for brands over time to develop an entire ecosystem of licensees paying one to produce socks and another to make duvet covers. I mean, look, we all know what kind of celebrities have sock lines and which don't I'm not gonna say anything else anyway um licensing allows for low risk product expansion but with a smaller return the deals usually route only seven to eight percent of sales to the owner of the name or brand that seven eight percent ends up really adding up so people don't feel the need to work harder or put any extra effort into it because why would they there's this whole chain of people working to make you money. Simpson at five foot three inches tall. She and I are the same height. Our picture together looks perfect. Just saying was known for her soaring heels. After her film debut as Daisy Duke in the 2005 Dukes of Hazard movie, everyone was hyper focused on the Daisy Duke jean shorts and the cowboy boots. Simpson says, girl, everybody was hyper focused on your body, but, um, <laughs> I don't like what did anyone even notice the boots honestly that's my question the Simpsons knew their first product line had to be shoes I think that's interesting because I did not associate Jessica with shoes back then at all like I associated her with Juicy Couture Louis Vuitton the all the cute 2000s outfits that she wore I really wasn't even looking at her shoes very much back then but clearly I'm wrong because they were insanely successful. Probably just because I was a kid at the time and I wasn't wearing high heels anyway. In the shoe licensing world, there was one towering figure, Vince Camuto. I didn't even know this, by the way, until I read her book. Like, I didn't realize that he was such a sought-after person in the fashion industry. The son of a seamstress, Camuto had been in the shoe business for more than 50 years, starting as a shoe repair clerk. 
A founder of Nine West in 1978, he eventually hatched the Commuto Group, a powerhouse that had its own lines of shoes, acted as a licensee for other brands, and eventually with Simpson, licensed out her name to manufacturers making other products. Although many designers chased the high-end customer who'd pay $700 for Louboutins, Commuto had mastered the stylish, mid-priced shoe. Known for translating runway looks into mass-market fashion trends, he created commercial juggernauts such as the Tory Burch Reva Flat or Reva, I can't remember, which sold for a little less than $200. I was never crazy about that. Not to bring up Chanel again, but like, I was all about the Chanel ballet flats. I never had them because whatever, expensive, but I was never a big Tory Burch fan, honestly, but look, I remember those shoes very clearly and I remember how popular they were. When the Simpsons first reached out to Commuto, he didn't know much about Jessica. Really, his son watched Newlyweds, and he was the one that said, Dad, you need to look at Jessica Simpson, and I think that should be your next licensee, Simpson says. What a smart man. Is he single? Commuto ended up with a 25% stake in the Simpson brand, along with the master license. Their first shoe together was a red high-heeled daisy cowboy boot, a replica of one that she wore in Dukes, and it became an instant hit. He could pick a bestseller every time, Tina says, and they remain our bestsellers, Jessica adds. I didn't know that. I thought the bestseller shoes of hers were the Danny heels, but obviously it's coming from her mouth, so I'm wrong. After making a splash with the shoes, which by the way, did you guys know that the Danny heels were on Sex in the City? Miranda was wearing them, or the new Sex in the City, and just like that, which is horrible, like the worst reboot, <laughs> but um... I just thought it was funny that she was wearing them because Sex in the City is so famous for having the really high-end designers like Manolo Blahnik and Jimmy Choo shoes. So the fact that they would have Jessica's shoes, I just thought that was pretty awesome that, you know, she's she's being worn alongside all of these huge fashion houses. In this show, that's known for style. And honestly, that's really one of the only reasons to watch the new episodes. It's abysmal i ranted about that on my latest patreon episode because i was um i was talking i was doing a QA episode so if you want to hear that join the patreon five bucks after making a splash with the shoes they wanted to crack clothing commuto's vision for the jessica simpson collection was approachable clothes with a fashionable edge sold in mid-range department stores the collection had flashes of Simpsons signature flair, fabrics with no animal pattern too noisy, and high heels that often hovered at four inches. But the overall aesthetic was suburban mall clothes, such as fringed jeans and tightly fitting floral dresses. By 2014, Commuto still produced the shoes in-house, licensing almost 20 more product lines, including perfume and jeans, to other manufacturers. Isn't it so fascinating? Like, a lot of your favorite products they're different and they're differently branded, but they probably came from the same freaking assembly line. Like the same person probably pushed that on button on the assembly line. <laughs> it's just really funny. It's just it's just crazy how these people build up their businesses so efficiently and then, you know, something goes wrong like what happened here with sequential brands. Of course, it's it's always a risk. The brand was steered out of L.A. under Tina's direction, with Jessica's involvement in the business varying depending on what else was going on in her life. How awesome is that? How, how, how much the rest of us would love to just be able to say, oh, you know, my, my involvement in my job varies depending on what else I'm, what else I'm doing, you know, like <laughs> love that for her. 
Simpson hired close friends, including one of her future bridesmaids and her fifth grade dance teacher, while ceding the day-to-day to Tina, who divorced Joe in 2013. There is a boss, and it's my mom, Simpson says. She'll be pinching my arm in a meeting if I'm saying the wrong thing. Oh my god, I would freaking love to be in that meeting. A fly on the wall seeing Jessica and Tina in the meetings. Oh my god. Retail executives were impressed with Tina's work in the non-glamorous parts of the business, such as analyzing sales figures. Okay, so one thing I love about Tina, love about Tina, is that she truly would do everything for her kids. Like, anytime she was seen with Jessica and Ashley, which was all the time, right? Like, we got to know her almost as well as we got to know the girls. She always was very unglamorous. She always looked pretty because she's like a pretty woman, but... She never really wore makeup. She had that same like, you know, haircut for most of the years that we saw her. She always had on like jeans and a zippy. She was not the Kris Jenner, okay? She was not spending three hours in hair and makeup. She was there to work with her daughters. And I just thought that was so, something so genuine about that, that she wasn't, you know, that that um that SNL sketch of the Kardashians with Nassim Pedrod playing Kim around the time that she divorced Chris Humphreys and Nassim is like, whoopsie, I got divorced, like that one. And um, <laughs> Kris Jenner is played by Kristen Wiig and she's, you know, trying to get into the picture and trying to get into the frame and trying to be the hot young mom. Like Tina isn't interested in that. She's like, I am working, honey. I am getting money. I am making money. I wonder how much Tina is worth because I bet you I bet you it is a pretty penny. It's not like some licensees where it's just basically giving a brand to someone and that licensor collects a check, says Jack Rose, CEO of One Jeanswear Group, Inc., a licensee for Simpsons Jeanswear line. One former designer at a licensee says Tina required written approvals over every style detail, so a minuscule change, such as the finish on a shank, the metal button on a jeans fly would mean weeks of holdup as they waited for her to sign off. I love that. And I love that they use the shank as an example because sometimes I feel like the button on the jeans messes up the outfit, especially if you want to wear a certain type of belt or whatever. Sometimes if it's not the right color, it doesn't match the rest of what I'm doing. I literally have to change my jeans. So that attention to detail is what separates this line from so many others. As much as the process bogged us down, says the designer who asked to speak anonymously given exit agreement terms, the business succeeded compared with other celebrity brands because of Tina. So there you go. There you go. That's Jessica's secret weapon. Or I guess not so secret weapon. Simpson was the brand front woman, always up for promoting it, whether in meetings or in store appearances. The most unusual thing about her was that there was virtually nothing she could do wrong. A major risk for a celebrity brand is that the celebrity will do something dumb or repugnant. There's a morality clause in pretty much every licensing contract. Industry lawyers say for things like trashing hotel rooms or ending up in jail. But Simpson's reality TV exposure meant she could hardly shock her customer base. Quite frankly, Jessica, no matter what she did, even if she said something that some would say would be off-color or different, the consumer never responded negatively, which was an amazing feat, Gross says. 
I wonder if they'll bring up the mom jeans incident because I think if anything, even though that was embarrassing for Jessica and very hurtful, I think that it made other women who are not stick figures feel like, yeah, this is my girl. Like this is who I want to buy from. And when I say not stick figures, I mean like she is skinny in those pictures. Like she is still skinny, but she's just not as skinny, I guess, as Dukes of Hazard or whatever. So I feel like that just expanded her brand even more because people were like, yeah, she's real. Like she's still up there performing, even though she's not a size zero. Wow. Like what a brave woman getting up there on stage as a big fat size four. Like, oh my God, this world. In less than five years, the Simpson Commuto team managed to build a booming brand that spanned nearly three dozen categories. In 2010, the Jessica Simpson collection brought in $750 million in sales, hitting a billion in 2014. But signs of trouble began to appear around that time. When Tina visited Commuto that fall, his usual high energy seemed flagging, and Tina, who describes Commuto as a father-mentor type of businessman to me, asked him to give her advice about the future of their business as if she were his daughter. He's like, if I was you, Tina recalls him telling her, I'd get a little money on the table for Jessica because retail is unpredictable. The Simpsons, still owning 75% of the business, began meeting with potential suitors. You know what I want to see? I want to see a magazine cover with Jessica and Tina on it together. Mother-daughter business duo. Commuto's funeral, January 2015. A who's who of fashion filled the wooden pews of St. Ignatius Loyola Church on Park Avenue in New York City. Garmentos mixed with executives, designers with financiers, the CEOs of Macy's and Theory, the president of Lord & Taylor, Tory Burch, Steve Madden, Tina and Jessica Simpson, with Tina providing a quote for the funerals program. I will forever walk in your shoes. You made them. While Commuto was eulogized as a brilliant merchant, some in the crowd studied the Simpsons, who were reeling from Commuto's death at 78. A private man, he'd never told them he had cancer. Commuto had built the Jessica Simpson collection into one of the most successful celebrity licensing empires of the world, so much so that other Hollywood types had approached him. They all want to be another Jessica, he told a trade publication about a year before his death, but it would be very difficult to duplicate. Do you guys remember when Drew Barrymore was on, or when Jessica was on the Drew Barrymore show? And I was so impressed with Drew because she started the interview by saying... She said to Jessica, thank you so much for paving the way for my line, which is fascinating, right? Because Drew Barrymore was famous for about how many years? 20 before Jessica Simpson was even a pop star, right? Because Drew Barrymore has been famous since E.T., which was 1982, 83. And Jessica premiered in 1999, 98. That's amazing that Drew Barrymore, who has been a celebrity that long, is thanking somebody who came out almost 20 years later and saying, you paved the way for me. Think about that. That's really impressive. And now Drew Barrymore has her own talk show, her own magazine, her own makeup line, a furniture line, a clothing line that also has bags. I mean, she is absolutely killing it. And she thanked Jessica for paving the way. I think that's really freaking cool. 
The Simpsons, too, wondered what they would do next. In the music business, the talent was only as successful as their star producer. For Tina and Jessica, Camuto had been theirs. Nice analogy. I like that. Sometimes you get a hit song and sometimes you don't. And Vince was our hit maker, Tina says. I love that they're giving him so much credit. That's really cool. As Camuto steered the Simpson brand to new heights, another model of brand management had gained popularity, shaped by a financier named Robert DeLoren. Historically, apparel brands had only a few paths to survival. If you were considered valuable, you would plan an initial public offering or get scooped up by an apparel conglomerate such as Nike Inc. or VF Corp. If your brand was distressed, you end up the target of a leveraged buyout by private equity, which would pledge to cut expenses and fund growth only to bury the company under the weight of its own debt, as happened famously with limited stores and Neiman Marcus Group LLC. In some instances, as with J. Crew Group LLC, a company would briefly go public only to be swallowed up by a private equity firm. DeLoren had worked on Wall Street, where he played around with alternative financial models. He structured the first bonds where the assets were intellectual property, like music or films, helping David Bowie raise $55 million by selling bonds backed by future album royalties. I love David Bowie, so I'm so happy that he's in this article. I just find that awesome. Later, he did the same with apparel trademarks and future licensing revenue. Then, around 2000, he had an idea for a new type of retail business, modeled on entertainment royalties, and deployed it at a company called Iconics Brand Group, Inc. Iconics brought brands for cheap, licensed them out, and drew what revenue it could from them. Like music copyrights, the expectation was that these brands' cash flow would decline without more investment, and that was fine, as long as Iconics kept acquiring fresh brands. Don't invest anything into supply chain, design, etc. and minimize marketing. Just let the income streams naturally fade over time, DeLorean says. The key to the model being sustainable is to keep buying new brands to replace those declining income streams. That's really interesting because how many times do we say like, why, you know, why didn't this company market this more? Why didn't they put more into that? Because they are too busy buying up other brands to care. You know, that's a really interesting thing because I say that all the time about music and movies. I'm like, damn, you know, like this album had so many good singles. Why didn't they keep releasing singles? It's like because they were like, let's just focus on the next album. You know what I mean? So it's it's an interesting dilemma of business and it stretches across all different types of businesses. I say the same thing with movies. Like why do studios bury some movies and other movies, they promote the hell out of them. You see the trailer every five seconds and then other movies you see and they're phenomenal movies and you're like, I've never even heard about this. Why is that? It's because, well, they hedge their bets. They're like, look, this isn't going to do well. We don't even want to put any pressure on it and put all of that effort into possibly getting some more pennies from it. We're just going to drop it and let the new kid come in and hopefully the new kid will do something. And if not, guess what? We have an even newer kid behind it who's going to come in and make us some money. That's exactly what Iconics did with Bongo, Rampage, London Fog, and other brands. Whoa, that's... (laughs) that. What a 90s blast from the past that is. Bongo, Rampage, and London Fog. Iconic stock soared and competitors, including an upstart named Sequential Brands, run by Iconic's defector William Sweedler, swarmed in. 
This new form of brand management company was a collision of the old world garment district and Wall Street. Businesses often founded generations back by Jewish or Italian immigrant tailors making deals with slick bankers looking to squeeze money out of a brand name. This is interesting and all, but I want more tea from Jessica's mouth. Um, I'm going to keep reading it just because... You know, I'm going to keep reading it, but but let's keep going. While at Iconics, Swedler had encountered a hungry young operator named Yehuda Schmidman, who joined the company barely out of Yeshiva University after an entrepreneurial stint selling iPods loaded with oral Talmudic teachings to New York's Orthodox commuters. Didn't expect that. By the time... Schmieden was 23. He was Iconic's director of licensing. Within five years, its chief operating officer. Swedler, chairman of Sequential, recruited him as CEO. As with just about every licensing pairing, Swedler and Schmidman were an odd couple. Swedler, the race car driving son of the founder of Joe Boxer. I remember when Joe Boxer was huge. Remember that smiley face? Which Iconics had acquired years earlier, of course. Lived in Connecticut and summered on Nantucket, where whereas Schmidman lived in the Bronx and worked 24-6, you could reach him at any hour of any day except the Sabbath. For, while their par- for a while, their partnership worked. When Schmidman joined Sequential, the company had made only one recent acquisition, a little-known shoe company. In his first three years as CEO, he closed at least eight deals worth almost a billion. Even so, Sequential's model was still a bottom feeder similar to Iconic's. After Simpson approached him, Schmidman saw an opportunity to transform his company into something sexier. Rather than juice what was left of a distressed brand, Schmidman could buy a brand at the top of its game and pump it into a mega brand. This is very interesting, but I really want more comments from Jessica, I have to be honest. During trips to LA, he pitched The Simpsons, international growth, great partnerships with licensees, a sparkling website, cosmetics, home products, over lunches at Santa Monica's Ivy at the Shore, a celebrity hotspot known for $44 lobster cob salads and paparazzi. Who cares? I don't want to hear about the lobster salads. Jesus Christ. He had a lot of really amazing ideas, Simpson says. I didn't meet with anybody else that believed in me quite like Vince until Yehuda. Which, by the way, I'm like almost positive I'm saying that name wrong and I'm very sorry. Um, in April 2015, they closed the deal. Sequential would acquire a 62.5% interest in the Jessica Simpson collection for $117 million. If buying Simpson was a coup for Schmidman's new strategy, his next deal for Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia Inc. two months later was an all-out revolution. At $353 million, the acquisition was Sequential's largest by far. Wall Street loved the back-to-back Simpson and Stewart deals, ushering Sequential from a third-tier player into the big leagues alongside Iconics and Authentic Brands Group LLC, a growing competitor. People were calling Schmidman the Pied Piper of brand management. But it didn't take long to realize Sequential had gotten ahead of itself. I looked at the prices they were paying and thought, how in God's name are they going to make enough money through licensing to cover the costs, says Michael Stone, chairman and co-founder of brand licensing agency Beanstalk Group LLC. I couldn't do the math. (laughs) That reminds me of MoviePass. Oh man, I remember late 2017, Movie Pass was it. I literally, on winter break, I went to see a movie every single day and I paid $10 a month. <laughs> oh man. 
Neither did DeLoren, who by that point had left Iconics. When all this started, people didn't realize what the real model was about, says DeLoren, who now runs Excel Brands, Inc., the operating and live streaming company behind Isaac Mizrahi. I remember when he was a really big deal. Halston and others. The brand licensing model, he explains, was never a retail or wholesale strategy, but a financial model. To digest the acquisition, Sequential had loaded up on hundreds of millions of dollars in debt, and the blockbuster Stewart deal was dragging down profitability. Stewart, who was paid $6.6 million in 2017 by Sequential, had a board seat and the title of creative chief creative officer. She insisted on maintaining her New York headquarters and her team, Stewart, who owned 10.9% of Sequential stock as of August, declined to comment. The Simpsons were a small-scale version of the Stewart problem, keeping their several-person brand team and California office. Despite having backed the generous deal terms and promises months earlier, Sweedler and the board, under pressure to meet ambitious quarterly earnings targets, squeezed Schmidman to cut the business's expenses. At the time, physical retail being decimated by e-commerce still accounted for 92% of Sequential's sales. Interesting. But commitments Schmidman had made the Simpsons, such as a significant presence online, were never going to happen. It's hard in this industry to do any investing in the brands, concedes Rick Platt, who was a division president at Sequential from 2013 to 2016 and now runs the licensing and development company Brand Matter. If it's a public company, you're targeting 75 or 80% operating margins, and that's the board's biggest focus. That's so strange to me. So, okay, Jessica only just started having e-commerce a couple years ago, which is bizarre, right? Like, that's bizarre that, I mean, come on, like, when you think about it, she was only in stores. That's really, not. I don't want to say embarrassing for sequential brands, but like, come on. I know influencers, like micro-influencers, who create their own e-commerce line and they don't have a big company behind them and they aren't celebrities they're I mean they're influencers but they don't have a big tv show and albums behind them you know what I mean I feel like it's fairly easy to have a good website like I run a small business and our website is gorgeous (laughs) to be honest not to toot my own horn but I'm just saying like if my very 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 small business compared to a billion dollar business can have a really nice website like you know what I mean I don't know why they're saying like oh well a significant online presence that was never going to happen Creating an online presence is one of the cheaper things that you can do in business. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't cost me anything to post on Instagram and promote my brand. You know what I mean? So I just find that to be kind of an excuse. On a Paris shopping trip in early 2017, Tina got a call from Schmidman. He'd been fired from Sequential. It was a real shock, she says. I was like, oh, what? Wait, what happened? (laughs) We're just getting started. No one else from Sequential bothered to tell them, the Simpsons say, or gave them much guidance on where their brand was headed. That is so disappointing. Like when you partner with someone and they just kind of like flake out, like they're they're just like, they're not even explaining shit to you. Like they're just like, yeah. (laughs) 
anyway you know what i mean that kind of stuff oh inside sequential schmidman had lost a power play wall street was spooked by the company's overloaded debt and its missed earnings targets and the stock price slid schmidman had wanted more money to support expansion but swedler objected also sources say he may have disliked his ceo's perceived self-promotion particularly a Wall Street Journal headline calling Schmidman Martha Stewart's new boss. Eh. In any case, the Pied Piper of brand management was out. After sequential, Schmidman founded his own brand management company, WHB Global. Blah, 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 blah. When Sh- with Schmidman gone, the Simpsons felt not protected, Jessica says, describing themselves as little ladies yelling, jumping, and trying to get attention in a corporate world. They couldn't even get resources for basic things such as a website, and stales stagnated. I'm like, well, where is that percentage of the money that you're getting going? Why is it not going toward my brand growing, Simpson says. Why is it? Can someone explain to me why it would be so hard to make a good website? (laughs) I can make a good website. Like, I don't understand. And I am not good at that stuff. Trust me, you can hire a web developer on Fiverr to make you a pretty decent website. I don't understand this. Simpson knew her customers, but says sequential executives wouldn't listen, brushing off her suggestions and calling her irrelevant. (sighs) Excuse me. How dare you? Which cut to the core of her insecurities. Jessica. (sighs) I think they wanted to blame me, she says. They were making a lot of excuses, and I was the excuse because I didn't have a movie out. (laughs) Did they really tell her that it was a problem that she didn't have a movie out? Like, no offense, but Jessica's movie career was not exactly the reason why her clothes were selling so much. You know what I mean? Like, that wasn't it. (laughs) Like, I can't. By now, Simpson was also struggling with substance abuse problems, which peaked in 2017, including the widely mocked Ellen interview. She later admitted she'd been drinking beforehand. Uh, Can I tell you a secret? I don't even think that Ellen interview was that bad, but whatever. Getting treatment after her subsequent Halloween blackout, she focused on her health, figuring that she didn't matter to sequential anyway. When you're with a company that doesn't care or believe in you, it makes you really not want to earn them money. (laughs) Girl, I love you. I have been through some similar things, honestly. Tina was getting tired of waiting around. In 2017, Schmidman's replacement as CEO had touted that Sequential was building a Jessica Simpson e-commerce site. Almost two years later, there still wasn't one. I was like, how can we be a brand this big and we don't have a website? This is crazy. So I said... Just give it to me, Tina says. She hired a designer who put up a website via Shopify. Exactly. Like, literally, why? I mean, I get it when you have partners, you have to, like, appease them and you can't go under, like, you can't go behind their back and do shit. Like, I get that. But how insane is that? Like, think about how much money they missed out on by not having e-commerce. The move awoke something in Simpson who started putting products online that retailers didn't pick up and they were selling. Uh Aha. See, these buyers at the department stores don't know everything. Tina was left wondering what exactly Sequential brought to the table. Seeing what we could do with the website that we did that that we did on our own made us really realize more than ever we've got to buy this brand back. Oh my god, I can't even imagine how frustrated they are. One of the things I love about being a small business owner, even though it is so much work and sometimes I wish I had a team of people behind me. I mean, I have amazing employees, but they work mainly in 
one section of my business and I do everything else. Of course, sometimes I wish I had a big company backing me. But one thing I love about my business is if I want to change something, boom, it's changed. It's my business. It's my decision. If I want to do something differently on the spot, fine, it's done. If I want to move in a different direction, it's done. And I cannot even imagine having to go through somebody else and be like that would even if they paid me a shit ton of money like I don't care I completely like I'm sure people are listening to this like why are you complaining like why are you comparing your tiny business to Jessica Simpson's multi-million dollar empire but I get it like it's just it's the same thing on a much smaller scale like I would I would be pulling my hair out if I did not have a website and I had like that is just insanity I cannot even imagine what they were going through I would be so I would be fuming all the time in early 2019 with Simpson giving her approval from the hospital Tina reached out to Swedler about a takeover Jessica says Swedler gave us a number and the Simpsons put together a financial model and a proposed deal but Tina says the price kept increasing Swedler declined to comment this is all this article is just so indicative and I had no idea how long this was going to be by the way and I'm like like I need to just drink water and have a cough drop. This is just so indicative of how the world has changed, right? There are so many independent retailers that have their own Shopify pages and they're nowhere near Jessica's level. You know, I mean, how many Etsy shops do you see that say, you know what, we're leaving Etsy, we have our own shop, please visit our website. I mean, people that make much less money do this all the time, every day it's happening, and they're making sales, and they're appealing directly to their customers, whereas back in 2005, 2006, 2007, when all this was getting started, it was a very, very different landscape. So this is, I mean, it's really interesting. I wish there were more quotes from Jess, but... I'm learning. Swedler had his eye on a bigger sale. Desperate for cash, Sequential reached a deal in April 2019 to sell the Stewart business for less than half what it had paid, receiving the bargain basement price in part because of the stink of desperation. Its debt was largely held by a lending arm of KKR and Company, the $450 billion private equity firm. The whole market knew of Sequential's dilemma. If it couldn't pay its debt, KKR wouldn't hesitate to put it into bankruptcy. The writing was on the wall, honestly, Tina says. Then COVID-19 hit. Although Sequential could continue to try to sell assets to stay afloat, nobody was going to bid today for what they could get tomorrow in bankruptcy for a lot cheaper. Sequential cut budgets as it scrambled to find a lender other than KKR to finance it, but no one bid. This time, the Simpsons were going to wait out Sequential's collapse. Interesting. So did we know that this, I mean, I didn't know. I'm just asking it. Did Jessica fans know that all this was kind of going down? Like, were there business articles that we didn't really see that were coming out or something? Because I didn't know about a lot of these details. A few years ago, Simpson signed a lucrative book contract about being a billion dollar boss, but she didn't write it. Also, for the record, she was never a billionaire. At the height of the business, Bloomberg Businessweek estimates the Simpsons would have gotten $13 million or less the year the brand brought in $1 billion in sales. The Simpsons declined to comment on their personal finances. I don't believe that. $13 million with the brand bringing in a billion? Girl. Girl. Okay, if that's true, I'm... Okay. Uh, instead, Simpson decided to be candid with her fans. 
I'm writing about her early sexual abuse, alcohol problems, and her strained relationship with her father in open book. The memoir became a number one New York Times bestseller, which Simpson says she cried about for five straight hours when she got the news. Oh, <laughs> five hours. I love my cancer queen. For almost her entire career, she'd been told how and who to be. Lose weight, gain weight, sing like this, don't say that. I was just like, oh wow, people do want to hear my voice, she says. Yes, we do, girl. With Sequential circling the drain, the obvious next move would be to team up with another brand management company in its place, but Simpson didn't need a producer anymore. She was ready to be her own producer. At the beginning of the business, it was a lot about people pleasing, she says. Then we realized we actually are the leaders. Hell yes, girl. In January 2021, the Simpsons hired boutique investment bank Threadstone Capital LLC to arrange financing so they could buy back the Jessica Simpson collection. Jessica's message since I've been involved has been very, very clear. I want my name. I want the control of my company. She views it as very much a part of her identity, says William Sussman, managing director at Threadstone. The Simpsons weren't worried that another party might outbid them. Whatever the world had thought of Jessica's business sense, or Tina's for that matter, the duo had made a shrewd move when they signed their initial operating deal with Sequential, inserting a clause that didn't allow the company to sell the brand from under them without their consent. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Sure, another bidder could make an offer, but without the Simpsons' blessing, it would be pointless. Hell yes. Hell yes. Anytime you make a business deal, babies, read through those contracts. Every detail. and Get your lawyer to add shit in like this. Trust me. It's, oh, I'm, oh my God. Any decent lawyer is going to do that anyway, but you would be surprised how many people don't have decent lawyers. Sequential filed for bankruptcy in Delaware in August and began selling off its brands. In November, a bankruptcy judge approved the Simpsons' $65 million bid for Sequential's majority ownership stake, financed largely by the Simpsons themselves with two additional lenders. I wonder who the lenders are. The business was supposed to be doing billions in sales by now. Instead, its valuation had decreased by almost half since they sold it to Sequential. Although Tina says the brand was on track to sell $725 million to $750 million in 2021, potential bidders who reviewed the collection's financials say the sales were about $500 million in 2020. All right. Not that shabby. And I could see it. I could see it bumping from, I mean... I guess not, but that, that is a big bump, 500 million to 725 um, in 2021. But who knows? I'm not I'm not saying Tina's a liar. You know what I mean? Um, ask to elaborate on the dramatic uptick. Tina says the brand experienced tremendous growth coming out of the pandemic. So we're still in the pandemic, girl, but I understand what you mean. Um, I was just thinking that when I was reading another part of this article, actually, but I didn't want to stop again. But I was just thinking about how... Um, Jessica has so much loungewear and I feel like that must have done well during the pandemic and she has all of her at-home exercise sets and everything and that must have done well during the pandemic and then coming out of it which again we're not out of it but coming out of the thick of it where everybody was in lockdown I could totally see Jessica's brand being a brand that people would go to to buy some items that are a little more zhuzhed up I mean like I said I bought my fancy rainbow shoes from her and I wore them for the first time on New Year's Eve and I was like yes honey I am back 
Um, <laughs> I did very little on New Year's Eve, by the way. I wasn't like I went to, a, I mean, I didn't do anything like super dangerous or, and I've had many multiple tests. Just so you know, I'm not being reckless. Um, COVID is so bad right now. If you're listening to this in the future, it's January 5th, 2022 as I'm recording this. So we're in a bad spot right now. The Simpsons are sketching out plans for life as independent owners. Yes. Jessica is now 41. Tina turned 62 this month. Normalize women in their 50s and 60s being badass businesswomen. And 70s and 80s. Why not? Uh, They intend to keep all of its 20 or so licensees in more than 30 categories and are expanding in those areas that Sequential never did. Plus more. Yes. Yes, I'm so happy. This is what I was looking for in this article. Face rollers, yoga mats, pet accessories, which Jessica's nine-year-old daughter is helping design. Yes, Maxwell, get it, girl. They're also thinking about hatching their own licensing company, applying lessons learned from the sequential years. We want to build our own IP platform, smart, so that we can sign other people under us and our umbrella, and we will take good care of them. Tina says, yes, Yes, I'm so happy right now. But the retail and celebrity moguldom landscape they're re-entering looks radically different from when the Simpson brand was at its peak a decade ago. Chains such as Macy's and Dillard's where their collection sells are being hammered by online competition. But who cares because they have the e-commerce now. Supply chain disruptions are making it difficult to get products into stores. Again, who cares? They have e-commerce now. They're independent. They could post whatever they want. They could do whatever they want. This is so good. I'm I'm riled up, you guys. Um, <laughs> and Simpson's original business model, in which she licenses her name for just a small portion of sales, has been replaced with more lucrative models for celebrities. Simpson says she admires Kim Kardashian, a neighborhood mom friend, it is LA, who holds majority stakes in both of her billion-dollar businesses. Uh, yes, Kim Kim has been very smart with uh, Skims and KKW Beauty. Very smart. All of the Kardashians, actually... I mean, good American, like if you read the behind the scenes of those, those are good products and they are selling and they are making bank from them. Good American jeans, by the way, my favorite jeans, honestly, my favorite jeans. Anyway, um, she reminds me of myself in a lot of ways. This is Kim. uh, This is Jessica talking about Kim. She's very vulnerable, very honest, very self-deprecating and driven. I wish I had a little bit of her more of her confidence. Um, I would actually say that Kim Kardashian is one of the most insecure, desperate for attention people that I've ever experienced in my life. That said, I don't mind her. Um, (laughs) So I'm not dissing her. I, I enjoy the Kardashians. Um. Since the sale went through, a whiff of that confidence is now starting to surface. On Instagram, where Simpson has 5.7 million followers, she recently posted, along with a new song she released without a record label, Yes Honey, Independent. All the women who independent. I'm so happy. Okay. Um, A photo of herself wearing what one might imagine a Jessica Simpson fashion generator would do to boardroom attire, snug white t-shirt, silver chains, a pile of ponytailed blonde hair, and a black bell-bottomed power suit. Yes. Working on lots of ideas to bring into the line for you, skincare, furniture, or maybe some health and wellness products I'm passionate about, she wrote to her fans. What are you thinking would be exciting 
to see me creating for y'all. In less than 24 hours, there were close to 90,000 likes and no no shortage of focus group insight. Shorter heels for tall girls, a plus size line, even a suggestion for Simpson branded probiotics for gut inflammation. After 16 years, stepping into that role of ownership of my name and myself, it's about time. All right, that was long, um, but it got so good at the end. I'm so happy for her. I cannot wait to see what she is going to produce next. And honestly, what's so funny is that like, yes, I'm a fan of her brand, but I don't even own that many Jessica Simpson collection items. I'm just going to be totally honest. I really don't. But I just root for her in every sense of the word. And I think I'm probably going to end up buying more Jessica Simpson collection because I... Like I said in another episode, I have this bodysuit from her that I love, and I love these new shoes that I got. And uh, honestly, wow. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I gave my opinions and and, uh, insights throughout the whole article, so I don't really feel the need to say a lot at the end here. Um, This ended up being a lot longer than I expected. I'm probably not going to do much editing on it. So there's probably going to be more likes and ums in this episode than you're used to. If you got this far, hopefully that doesn't even bother you. But it bothers me when I listen back. I'm like, oh God, I say um and like. And I say, you know what I mean all the time. Anyway, this is amazing. I, I really honestly relate as a business owner. I do. Like I said, I acknowledge it's a much smaller business. Mine is a much smaller business. Well, We'll never reach the heights of Jessica's and I don't even, I'm not even trying to make it reach the heights of Jessica's. So I'm comfortable saying like, yes, it's smaller, but look, it's the same thought process. I'm just trying to wrap my head around if I had investors in my business, which I could reach out to people and see, I I could, I could do that to grow it. And they had some kind of say over, like I wouldn't be able to even have a website unless they did it or something like that, I can't fathom it. (laughs) Because right now I'm in total control and I just can't even imagine that. It Like it's not worth the money. You know what I mean? Even if someone was like, I'll pay you. I mean, I don't even know what, like with my size business, what would be a reasonable like investment that somebody would make in it. But even if it was a huge amount of money and I was like, it's not worth it, you know? It's not worth it to be tossing and turning at night because you know what's right for you and you know what's right for your business and you have that in your heart and your gut and you're like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I can't make that move because these people have some control. That is so hard and I am so excited for her. I'm so excited for her. And I just can't wait to see what she does next. What would you guys want to see from the Jessica Simpson collection that you haven't seen yet? I honestly, I know this sounds kind of, I guess, counterintuitive to what she's about, but I would love to see more basics from her line. Just like cozy, comfortable, you know how in the article it said like, you know, no animal print was too elaborate or whatever it said. I I mean, I want her to keep all that because it's very Jessica, but I think it would be cool if she had more like basics. And she had more wardrobe staples, just like a really good solid black leather pencil skirt or something for the office that could also be dressed up for the club or um, like thick 90s black wedges, just solid black, which she probably has on her website anyway. But you know what I mean? I don't know. 
I mean, she clearly doesn't need advice from me, although she did ask her fans. So maybe I should go leave a comment. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to close it off there. I think I'm going to post this one on the main feed. Originally, when I sat down to do this, I was thinking I would make it a Patreon episode, but I think I'm going to post it on the main feed because I don't have an episode to post this week and I'm not recording with anybody for like five days unless I make a, a new um, appointment with someone, which I might. But yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is just a bonus episode. I just felt like throwing it up there and talking about this. Please let me know if you liked it. If you didn't like it, I won't do any more or I'll post it on Patreon because my patrons are literally the best people on planet Earth and they just get me and <laughs> they they like hearing the bonus episodes, obviously. So I hope everybody has a beautiful week. Let me know your thoughts on this article and on this episode. DM me. And yeah, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Jessica, go girl. Tina, killing it. Slayage, amazing. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capria Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessicast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessicast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessicast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.